Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can now support Ghost Maps on Patreon. Simply look for We Are Huntu or click the link in the description. Ghost Maps is hosted on Libsyn. Get up to two months of free podcast hosting for your show from Libsyn with the promo code HANTU. Check out the description for more details. Ghost Maps. Entry 59. Charlton Road, Singapore. Lost in his thoughts, Brian looks around this quiet neighbourhood. Just a little off Jalan Pulikat as he absently sips on his coffee. He's been this way since just after he arrived and greeted me. It's weird, he says, more to himself than to me. So much has changed, but so much is still the same. Brian moved to Sydney over a decade ago to further his studies. Once he was done with university, he started to build a life for himself there, driven more by momentum than by any affection for the city he had grown to call home. These days, he's a junior partner in a reputable law firm and happy in a committed relationship. Aside from regular Skype calls with his parents, he hasn't thought much about Singapore since leaving, let alone this neighbourhood. But so much of my family is tied into this area, he says, a hint of wistfulness colouring his tone. His father and mother were neighbours back during those halcyon kampung days. That's how they met. In fact, their homes were just a short walk away from here, along Charlton Road. I can't imagine what it must have been like for them to see how much this whole area's changed, he continues. He goes silent for a while before his attention finally snaps back to me. He apologizes for spacing out, and I tell him with a reassuring chuckle that it's fine. He tells me that he's not the sentimental type, or at least he didn't think he was. I guess this place is more of a pull on me than I thought, he says. As the sun begins to set on this Thursday evening, I see what he means. It might just be my imagination, but I sense something 
I'm not sure what it is, or even if it's tied to this area specifically. But just as quickly as it came over me, the sensation's gone again. I shake my head slightly. As word gets around about me, I've begun to take on more interviewees than I used to. One of my previous interviewees, Neil, is friends with Brian. The pair were catching up a week ago, since Brian's back in town for his sister's wedding. Neil had heard this particular story before. A tale of Brian's father from back in the old days and told him about me and what I do. Not only did he convince Brian that we should meet up, but he even suggested that we specifically met here. Neil told him with a laugh that it might help set the mood. I don't think Neil realizes just how right he was. I make a mental note to take a short break after this interview, then fish out my recorder. I switch it on before Brian can get lost in his thoughts again and ask him to start from the beginning. It was 1967. Brian's father, Andrew, was a bit of a flirt back when he was a teenager. This was before he'd met mum, of course, Brian says with a smirk. He then adds, rolling his eyes, From what he's told me, the old man used to get into way too many fights because of his flirtatious ways. Overprotective brothers, jealous boyfriends, even strict fathers. He had earned a reputation among all of them. It was after one such fight at a nightclub in town when he found himself skulking home. According to Andrew, this was one of those rare instances where he really was just chatting with a girl around his age. Then, her boyfriend and his friends stepped in. Outnumbered, Andrew was unceremoniously tossed out of the club. About an hour later, he was passing by the old crocodile farm along Upper Sarangoon Road, navigating the tree-lined paths that led him back to Charlton Road. Brian shivers a little, thinking about that area. Even when I used to walk through there as a kid, it was still pretty creepy at night, Brian says. I nod in agreement, having travelled through that stretch before. Andrew, however, would have disagreed. While it might have been ominously gloomy, with little more than the moonlight 
to illuminate his way. Andrew had told Brian that his walks home never frightened him. He claims that he always found it weirdly soothing, Brian says, then shrugs. How much of that is true and how much of it is just him trying to appear tough for his son, I'm not sure. Either way, Andrew was used to the quiet of this trek, almost never encountering anyone along the way. Except on this one night. As he neared Charlton, he caught a whiff of something sweet, like the familiar fragrance of a flower. Before he could figure out where it came from, though, that smell grew from a lingering scent to something far more overpowering, something so sickeningly sweet that he felt like it was choking him. But just as suddenly as the fragrance appeared, it vanished, replaced instead by a creeping stench of rotting flesh. It wasn't as strong as the sweetness that preceded it, but it was pungent enough to drive the birds in the trees into a frenzy. Or at least that's what he thought at first. The birds squawking grew louder and louder. It wasn't panic that Andrew was hearing. It soon dawned on him. It was aggression. Their squawking quickly seemed to almost melt into one piercing noise. Andrew had never heard any bird that sounded like that. He glanced upwards towards the noise and saw a large shadow move through the leaves of the trees. Its branches shook for a little before becoming eerily still. In that moment, Andrew's eyes were drawn down to the tree's base where he suddenly realized there was a girl standing and smiling at him. She wore a flowing plain white dress and was surrounded by overgrown grass. She was pale with long black hair. The girl looked around his age. Apakaba, she greeted him. Her tone was warm 
and even had a friendly sing-song quality to it. Andrew should have been terrified, but he wasn't. He knew what she was, Brian tells me. But it was like he was under some kind of spell. He greeted the girl pleasantly, slurring a little, almost as if he was half asleep. Temankan saya balik, the girl said. Walk me home. It wasn't a request. It was a command. Andrew agreed, then asked her where she lived. Dekat Jalton, she said, her smile widening. After a minute or so of casually strolling along, the girl asked Andrew whether he found her pretty. Very, Andrew said. It was the truth. Not a line that he would have normally used on another woman, or even a lie tainted by fear. Andrew was surprised by his own honesty, like some kind of weight had been lifted off his shoulders. The girl told him that he was a charming boy, but he must be kind with that charm. Macam aku, she said, with an unsettlingly knowing smirk. Like me. It was strange, hearing her call him a boy when she looked like she was a teenager too. She said that she had been watching him. His pulse began to quicken, even as her spell kept him weirdly calm. She said that she knew what was in his heart, that he had a good heart. She told him, her tone still warm with that sing-song quality to it, that her kind did not just kill. They killed those who deserved it. Then, she said, with haunting finality, Aku harap kita tak berjumpa lagi. I hope we never meet again. Andrew suddenly saw where he was. Right in front of his home. The girl kept on down the path into the darkness of the night. That sickeningly sweet Sent from before, faintly in the air. 
as Andrew watched her leave, though, he finally noticed something. She had no feet below her plain white dress. My father cleaned up his act after that night, Brian tells me. No more treating women like notches on a bedpost. Two months later, Brian's mother moved into the home right next to Andrew's. Dad always tells me that that encounter was probably the best thing to ever happen to him. That sometimes we need something drastic to remind us who we really are. He says that he doesn't think Andrew would have been ready for his mother if not for what happened. I smile as Brian gets that faraway look on his face again. This place really does have a special meaning to their family. It, I pause as I look around the neighborhood, and from behind one of the blocks, off in the direction where I would walk if I wanted to head towards Charlton, I see, or I think I see, a figure in white. I shake my head and take another look. Nothing. Yeah, I tell myself, it's definitely time to take a short break. Well, maybe. Maybe after the Hungry Ghost Month. If you want to discover more of Southeast Asia's other side, subscribe now and follow us on social media. You can also be one of our supporters on Patreon. Look for We Are Huntu or click the links in the description. Ghost Maps is a Huntu production created by Kyle Ong and Wayne Ray with art direction by Jolene Lim and recorded on Audio-Technica Mics.